Hello and welcome to Confidently Wrong, a show by regular dudes talking with confidence about content we have no right to speak about with any kind of authority, but do it anyway. I'm Wesley Nakamura, and as always, I'm joined by award-winning director Brian Redondo. This is episode 101, and we're going to discuss some under-the-radar shows, some middle school swag, and then some Knicks and Lakers fan perspectives. I'm confident that it's going to be the best show you've ever listened to, and well, hey, if it's not, you can always ask us for a refund. Incredible! Hello, gentleman. I am the gentlest man. (laughs) I have arrived. I am the only gentleman here. What's up, everybody? We got Brian and Wesley. No Savan today. Uh, he's out Mardi Gras-ing his little heart out. He went to New Orleans, had a little meetup with the boys, also got to see his family. So we're very happy for the man. Uh, but he is going to be missing today's show. I really can't imagine Savan, Captain Vonnie Jones at Mardi Gras. Like, does like what does this guy do? It, like, does he get wild? I don't think he gets wild. He doesn't even recognize Beyonce at a party. Like... This dude, he's just like sitting on the lawn, like playing Game Boy Advance. Like, I don't know what he's doing out there. I 100% th- but he'll probably have like a drink in his hand or like something in his hand, you know, a little, a little tea. Probably won't be in a robe, though. As you don't think he's rocking be. a robe for Mardi Gras? Maybe like a- he'll do it. Maybe he'll do it on actual Mardi Gras day when you get up early. But I don't think he's doing it on like today. Today's a big day in um, parades. Today's in Dimian, which is one of the biggest parades and Tux, uh, which is also a parade that goes uptown. So uh, many words that I do not understand. You, just Yeah, said. he they're going to be and Dimian's rolling through mid city. So he and he, I think he said that was one of his favorites. So uh, but it's a it's a daytime one. It's like afternoon. It comes through uh, about four o'clock or so, three o'clock. So. He'll uh he'll well, probably it's too late for a robe at that point, you know. I I think he would argue <laughs> otherwise. It's Maybe. like we'll what time is him. it? It's robe o'clock, like all day long. Uh well, I hope he takes over our Instagram and has some like fun selfies to share for everybody, like including ourselves who are curious, like what the hell is Savon doing at Mardi Gras? It, <laughs> I have no idea. Is, is he and showing some skin? Is that what's happening? Is he earning beads? <laughs> And and to be fair, right, it, it's probably different if you're a native, right? You've grown up around the parades. You're not always like, I have to go to this one. I have to go to that one. You kind of do whatever you got. You got a bunch of people you can hang out with, whether it's your family, your friends. So he's got a built in social network there um, that may maybe Mardi Gras doesn't revolve around parades for him. So it'll be interesting to hear back his report from down, not down under. I was going to say down under. <laughs> From down under, the Mardi Gras and down under. <laughs> you yeah, know what I'm that, saying. That, that's my Australian accent, by the way. In case that <laughs> it was a little Cajun there at the end. It was a little. Oh, it was, it was a little Cajun. Yeah. Okay. I heard a little. Was it a little know, gambit for you? A, a little gator. A little gator. Um. All right. So today's show, we're not going to be talking about Ant Man Quantumania, Brian. Why Ooh. not? Oh, why? Why Both must you tease me it. this way? I Both saw it last night. It. We're not going to talk about it. Oh my god. You're giving me like MCU blue balls right now. <laughs> what am I going to do with this Ant-Man load? Uh, you got to save it. We're going to talk about it next week. So stay tuned. Look out for that one. Today, though, because we don't have Savan, we're just going to, you know, we're going to just play off of our strengths, which is me and Brian. Do we have those? Long history of, I don't know what, friendship for sure. But beyond that, who knows what this is? Oh, my uh, God. We have shared a bed. Like multiple, probably times. multiple times, yeah, yeah, for sure. In in various cities, 
Yeah. Where's where's that place in uh in New Jersey where we went? It was the casino town. Oh yeah. We've called. been all over the world and that includes Atlantic City. <laughs> oh, Atlantic City. <laughs> yeah, it was cold. We went it in like Thanksgiving time, right? It was just uber cold. Oh yeah. It was, it was dead. No good. Like yeah. That was the time no was when the hardcore gamblers show up to Atlantic City, <laughs> and which us. we were not. We were not. Um, my my favorite lasting memory from that trip, though, was when Wes, for some unknown reason to everybody there, decided to try on one of our friend's pants. But that friend was not a guy. She was a five-foot-nothing girl. <laughs> and I fit him. And he fit him. They buttoned. They were super tight. They were Those very tight. Those were painted on, basically. <laughs> I couldn't move, but they but they buttoned. I got them on. Yeah. Um, I don't know what happens what when that... you drink Sky Vodka because it tastes <laughs> gross, but gets you drunk. Thanks, Sky Vodka. <laughs> Helping guys put on girls' pants for generations. <laughs> I got to say, your butt looked good. It looked good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's had a little bit of a retreat lately. I haven't been cycling as much, so it's a, it's a little bit of a regression here. All right. No one cares about the butt. <laughs> I mean, I do, but okay, let's go. All right. The first first little segment is going to be a quick one. It kind of feels actually like we're in sort of a TV lull. Um, I haven't really been hearing people talk about much TV, uh, except obviously The Last of Us. I think a lot of people yeah. are watching that. But outside of that, what are you watching? So Brian was going to give us a quick rundown on things that he's been looking at, seeing, you know, enjoying. Yeah, we love The Last of Us. I think we do. It's so good. Oh, my God. It's Appointment viewing, right? We talk about it on the show. It's like immediately. Oh, it's, it's great when everybody all over the world is watching at the same time, and then we have the water cooler conversation. But then it creates a void. Like we, what do we, what do we do for the rest of the week? And so the stuff that we're about to talk about, I like to think of as filler shows, <laughs> like the shows that are like cool that you roll with, uh, but really you're using them to bide your time until the next Last of Us. Um, so. Uh, one of those, one of those is a show on Peacock uh, called Poker Face, starring Nat- Natasha Lyonne as, uh, you know, she's the as... actress from Russian Doll. That's her. That's her. Yeah. She's also, okay. I think, I knew her from Can't Hardly Wait, huh? huh? The team she was party in Can't movie. Hardly Wait. Yeah, she was like the friend that talks about masturbation to her other girlfriend, <laughs> and it's like, you don't do that, like. I'm pretty sure that was her only part in that movie. Um, so obviously oh, this is a comedy. I hate myself if I'm wrong too. Like, what if that's not her at all? It's just some other could be some some other person entirely. with curly hair. Yeah, but anyway, so, so she's she's the star of Poker Face. I only show, saw the first episode of this show, which is which is available for free because like nobody has Peacock. Uh, I'm only able to watch this because my mom has cable. And in her cable subscription gets Peacock for free. Oh, hey. Uh, so Perks. Uh, so this show is created by Ryan Johnson. Uh, Knives Out. Who's the Knives Out guy, right? And, and so basically, when in Poker Face, it's an hour-long murder mystery every episode. New murder, new case to solve. And Natasha Leone and all her like weird... New York gruffness, chain smoking, <laughs> don't give an F attitude. You know, she's she's just kind of like this weird working class vagrant kind of going into all these um, odd little corners of America, stumbling across a murder and, you know, solving it and finding oh. some justice. 
but really the the so there are two key things that that's not at all how face. i thought this show was gonna go okay. oh that's that's interesting what like what is your impression after watching that first episode i thought it was gonna be sort of a, a connected series where I don't want to. I, I can't give away like this. What? How am I going to talk about this without giving away spoilers? But eh, just spoil I, it. I thought Whatever. it would just connect more. It feels like it was just going to be one series, like one story dealing with the conflict that's arising out of this first episode. Right, uh, right. Because there's and... a murder in the first episode, naturally, and how it resolves or doesn't resolve seems does like she's seem... in trouble. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. she is, which she is. So that okay, there is that there is that underlying thread throughout all the episodes. However, it's very much episodic. Like you could, you could totally skip episodes. You pick and choose whatever. I mean, the idea is that they wanted to make this a modern day Columbo, and so like it could be that, syndicated almost, and it'd be fine. Basically, yeah, yeah, okay, a- absolutely, absolutely. But unlike a syndicated show, this show has a healthy budget and a good creative team. Um, and Natasha Leone is like just so oddball and hilarious in her approach to these crimes like she's not a detective in the show she's introduced as a casino waitress right like yeah and but she and has a she special just, ability right that was the yeah. the MacGuffin that's the, of the show or whatever I don't yeah know what that's that. that's the gimmick so yeah, okay basically she's giving me my showbiz terms the MacGuffin. It's used. Uh, I yeah, you're definitely not using that right. But <laughs> kudos to you for throwing out a weird word. You know, I I might as well throw out one too. It's like yeah, it's it's the chancellorosity of the whole show. Um, yeah. So she's she's a human lie detector. So she knows when people are oh that's what it BSing was. Yeah, yeah. her or not. Yeah, and that's what allows her to solve crimes, but it also gets her into hot water naturally. Should people watch it? I think people should watch it. It's right. I think it's a very satisfying show. Not all the episodes are winners, but a lot of them are. Should uh, they buy Peacock to watch it? Hell no. Why? <laughs> There's nothing else okay. on that network. Okay. Well, you could just do it for one month and then, you know, unsubscribe. It's five bucks or or something, six bucks. But no, yeah, not I don't that. know if it's okay. I don't know if I'd pay. If you five got bucks. it, watch the show. Yeah. Or okay. if you're the least bit interested in Ryan Johnson Knives Out style murder mysteries. You know, go find it somewhere on the internet. It's out there. Yeah, the first one was cool. I did, I did enjoy it. At first, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. And then as it went on, I was like, oh, this is really cool. And Adrian Brody is in it. Um, oh Benjamin, yeah, they get killer guest stars. Benjamin Bratt is in it. Yeah. Um, so there's there's some some high powered people in there, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So definitely worth a watch. Keep going. What else we got besides Poker Face? Uh, so Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur came out this oh, week on Disney Plus. I, I know them from Marvel Snap. That's the only reason why I know them, <laughs> and they're awesome in Marvel Snap, right? Am I yeah, right? they're good. They combo together really well. Yeah, like Moon Girl is a super smart, uh, like mad genius almost. Uh, but she's like, like ten, teenage teenage black girl from the lower east side in new york and she's like on roller skates and has like a cool helmet and goggles and then she's got the sidekick devil dinosaur who is a giant red tyrannosaurus rex (laughs) from another dimension or something Nice. nice never heard of these characters ever before uh but now they have a cartoon on disney plus uh and you know it's kind of like uh it's kind of like Dexter's Laboratory meets Powerpuff Girls yeah. and that's what I was gonna uh, say. Yeah. Ms. Marvel 
and uh miles morales almost my yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. into the spideyverse <laughs> is the other uh key inspiration here. the animation looks a little bit kind of into the spideyverse but with oh, their absolutely own take, it's not it's not a copy for sure it's i think into the spideyverse gives them the authority to like take their own uh you know take yeah. their own art style and really run wild with it so it's got like the comic book duotone thing where you know you see like dots on the shadows and stuff yeah, like yeah. that a lot of fun colors like things popping on and off screen really rapidly all the time it's like it's made for kids with add and if they didn't already have it they're gonna have it <laughs> um yeah. but yeah, I haven't seen all the episodes, also, but it did. It did seem fun, but it was also definitely meant for kids. And I was like, oh, yeah. "All right, that's cool. I checked it out, but I don't think I'm going to watch it." It's are you, definitely a are you kids stick show. With it? Um, you know, to me, I think it's a filler show. Like they're like okay. 25 minute episodes. I'll throw on an episode here and there, every now and again, if I want that. You know, that jolt of like fun poppy color. You know, really like sweet characters. Like Moon Girl herself is like so adorable, and you know, she's got like cutesy friends and stuff like that. Uh, and of course, she's got like the girl and her dog like relationship with Devil Dinosaurs. So, you know, if if that's the kind of thing you're looking for and like some fun references to the Lower East Side, New York City. Yeah, it's cool. I like yeah. it. I also think like, you know, how cool I know we people can like beat this drum to death about like, quote unquote, like representation matters idea. But how cool is it, right, if you're, especially if you're, like, a black girl in America and you're, you know, 9, 10, 8, whatever, right, like, watching a show like this and you're like, hey, that's cool, right? Like, there's someone who's like me, like, just being the center and the star of this show oh, um, yeah, in a really absolutely. positive way. Where and it has not, nothing to do yeah. explicitly with, like, no. the horrors, the struggle and the yeah, suffering yeah. of racism. It's not about that at all. It's just, like... It's just her living her best life, right? Yeah. And her and family's Being a, being a hero. And, you know, it's a shame Captain Vonnie ain't here because guess what? Her family runs a roller skating rink. And that is why <laughs> Moon Girl wears roller skates. And guess who do- who loves roller skating too? Captain Vonnie. <laughs> All right. What else are you watching? Um, the third one I'll throw out there, uh, a PBS show. PBS? Don't, don't hate me, people. Not Ken only Burns is it PBS. Baseball. Oh, God. Uh uh, maybe as many hours but not as boring but there's a show it's also part of masterpiece theater which is like not a good label to have but it's a show called all creatures great and small about a veterinarian in bucolic like united kingdom like somewhere somewhere in england but like close enough to scotland and edinburgh uh <laughs> Anyway, like out in the pastures and farms of England nice. in the late 1930s, and he's a vet that joins a veterinary practice where they are constantly trying to help farmers by like checking out horses and goats and sheep and prairie dogs. And it's really just lovely. It's, it's like, wow, these, these are really nice people. This is a really beautiful setting and it's filled with so much tenderness and warmth that uh, for someone like me, it reminds me that there's another way of living out there. <laughs> um, a couple other shows I thought maybe we could mention real quick was Bad Batch. Oh, second season of Bad Batch. Yeah, it's almost done or maybe it just finished. 
and neither of us have watched it. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> Ooh, don't we cover Star Wars on this show? <laughs> we just haven't. It's interesting, right? Like we keep talking about it like, oh, Bad Batch is coming. And then we're just kind of like, ah, we'll watch it later. In I don't all know honesty, what that says. I think you're the one who keeps talking about Bad Batch is coming. Yeah. And then me and Savan in our text chat, uh, crickets? Yeah. Don't a little even bit. respond to it. Interesting. Why, I, why? What is your disinterest in it or lack of interest? I in didn't it? even finish the first season. Like yeah. I couldn't get past like six episodes or whatever, seven episodes. And I think that the season is pretty long, right? I don't know, maybe ten episodes, something like that. Twelve. I I think it was yeah. I think it was probably more along the lines of. I'm 12. not gonna go and look it up. No research done. I was just like, well, this is sort of cool, but then they did like their own version of the Grogu thing with like a young girl, and I was mm. like, I don't know, I I can't get my head around this. All right. There's too much good TV out there. <laughs> Fair enough. And my sister, friend of the show, Alexis, original friend of the show. Put me onto this show OG called Little, Little America. It's on Apple TV Plus, and it's executive produced by Kumail Nanjiani and I think maybe his wife. Um, and they they dramatize uh, sort of semi true events and people uh, in half hour half hour shows, and they try and give you a sense of like what their experience is like and how they sort of got to where they're at. Um, and because they only have half an hour, definitely some of it feels like it's rushed, but um there's definitely some like real emotion the first two so far that i've seen like they kind of play with your emotions a little bit i mean like the first one is the premise is or the the it's not even a premise the the situation is this kid his parents are basically deported he's like 12 stuck in who knows where utah and he's basically left to like that is run a town his... name in utah <laughs> he's he's left to manage the the family motel that they own and run as like a 12 year old and his like family friend is just like watching him, but like not really watching him. He's just there to he like, he goes, I'm just here to make sure you don't die. Right. And his parents think, Oh, they will be back in like a couple of weeks once their paperwork gets sorted out. And, and the show is about how like they don't, and he's just got to like keep living his life while they're, you know, in wherever they're at. India, I think is, is where they're at. So, you know, like that's sad. It's just like their whole family is like basically you know, torn apart and messed up because of this. And, you know, obviously this is not a unique story, but they're just highlighting, like, this is a real experience that people go through. Um, And in the second one, it's about a young girl who's sort of like troubled a little bit and just like kind of angry about things. And uh, the, the start of the show, she tries to take, she's her, her family does not, doesn't have a lot of money. And she tries to get some free shoes by going to like a free squash clinic. They offered free shoes, uh, but ends up really liking squash. squash clinic. Yeah. Like you mean, are we talking game. about yams? Oh, okay. The sport. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, I recommend it. I, I do enjoy it. I think it's it's not for everybody. But check it out. Uh, yeah. Check it out. Yeah, seriously. It's like... Yeah. It, it's a little bit of a downer. If you, if you want to be hit with real life feels. American like <laughs> oppression and struggles, like, and just want that gut punch in a half hour dose... Yeah. Little America. But there's there's moments of of beauty in there too. They find that as well. Well, what's weird is that like I get the ideas that they're dramatizing things that have actually happened to people, and yes. that is essentially what Kumail Nanjiani and his partner did for their rom com from a few yep. years ago. Uh, the do you big know the sick. name of it? Yeah, yeah, the big. I really sick. enjoyed that. The big sick, which yeah. was a great was a great movie. 
I uh, highly recommend that movie. Like really funny, insightful, but also, yeah, had some serious emotion in it. But it sounds like Little America, they left out the funny and no it's funny. just deportation. Oh, God. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I would strap myself in for that. Yeah. I definitely think you have to be in the right mood for it, for sure. But it's, I, I mean, sometimes that's, sometimes it's like, hey, like, I can't handle that, right? Or I'm not ready for that. I don't need that right now. And sometimes it's like, for some people, like, that's not optional, right? Like, you can't look away or like, you can't just like opt out, right? That is yeah. actually just their everyday lived experience. And so some of that is yeah. an interesting question as a viewer of like, I have the option of opting out to these stories that are actually not even like, they're not. It's not TV stories like these are happening to my neighbors. These are happening to people around me in my city that live one mile from me. Right. So, yeah. What well, Wes is saying place of privilege, is right? check your damn privilege. Folks. <laughs> and, and it doesn't do any good if it just makes you depressed and then you can't, you know, go about your life. So, yeah, we, we could get into a whole like ethical <laughs> discussion about that sure. sort of thing. But yeah, uh, I mean, it, it does sound like I have seen trailers for it. It does look like it's a very well made thing. And. You know, maybe I I'll think I think it, it honors the, so far. It seems like it, it does honor the stories of the people that it's based on, um, and they they do show you at the end like the the real people and their like their pictures and stuff, and gives you a quick update on like what's happened since. So it's pretty cool. All right, let's lean in on the Brian Wesley dynamic, Brian. What the, the Bresley? <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> no man. Maybe that doesn't work. <laughs> the Wyan? The Wyans? The West, the Wessians. So we were like, what should we do a show on? We're going to not have Savon this weekend. We can't talk about robes. We can't talk about <laughs> Detroit. What are we going like, to talk about, Brian? Who are we even going to like really, you know, like have like an argument with? A lot, I think a lot of times I side with you on, on our takes. Uh, maybe I'm 50 50. Sometimes. I don't know. I feel like I get I I feel like I get ganged up upon mostly. I, I you set yourself up for it. I mean, <laughs> you're just like asking us to. It it would be dishonorable for us not to eat the cake you present. It would be rude, it, basically. Yeah, yeah. So what should we talk about? I I mean I think because we're friends, we should just talk about being friends, buddy. <laughs> Dude, All we've right. known each other for like. 20 plus years. Can you believe that? I was a more sophomore. than half our lives. Correct. Correct. Um you've you've been a you've been a constant. You are a common denominator in my life. Ooh, math of, terms. Of fractions. Speak speak my love language, Brian. <laughs> math terms. I, I'm trying. I'm trying. Pretty, pretty soon <laughs> I'm going to start giving you words of affirmation. Like we met like, Only gifts here. Only gifts. We met at a leadership retreat in college when I was a sophomore. You were a freshman. Leadership retreat for Asian American students. We were thrown into like a, a cabin for a weekend. And we played that elephant game. Do you remember Yenling taught us that elephant game? Oh, where we had to like, it was like a rhythm game, right? Yeah, you had to do some kind of like symbol for yourself or something or an animal. Yeah, yeah. Everybody was like an animal. <laughs> but I think you wanted to be the elephant. Oh, is that what you, it was? You're like trying to be the top banana by being that. Oh, elephant. oh, you like moved up every time or something. And then everybody moved back if you lost. Yeah. Whatever. It was yeah, a fun something, game. It was, it was fun. It was a very it was, fun it weekend. It was a very campy experience. Very, very formative for, yeah. you know, a young, angsty teenager from New Jersey. Uh, 
and changed and, my you life. Know, honestly, 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 Wes. Yeah, I think it changed my too. You know why? Because we met each other. Oh, hearts! Um, I'm making hearts at you, Ryan, right now. People can't see you, this. Thank at you. Home. I, I'm giving you the uh, the BTS hearts. Um, <laughs> you're giving me like the the full like two hand care bear stare heart. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like Wes, back then, uh, I think what attracted me to you was that you were like you were like this like this cool nonchalant kind of kid that just didn't. Didn't give a damn about like anything like the rest of like the, you know, the hyper pre-professional type A kids that we went to college Ooh, that with. That was definitely not me. Yeah, not, not you. You. I, like, I mean, I like hair. studying and doing work, but yeah, I was not. If you did like that, those things, I had no idea. Because <laughs> I for sure did not like that. You, <laughs> you had dyed hair. That's true. You were you always had Nike Dunks, even when there was like a semi form or whatever. You're rolling in Dunks. Yeah, uh, they're comfy. You were, you know, you just like weren't a d bag like everybody else. <laughs> uh, and and you were an Asian dude, right? So it's like, yeah, game recognized game, right? Hey, right. So like, so naturally, naturally, we became friends. I think I I always just was so impressed pressed by you like the way you spoke i think was always like damn this guy says things that are like really smart and i just i couldn't i couldn't say anything like that i didn't know anything you know and i was like a young 18 year old kid who like just grew up in long beach but had never had to really like think about things like power and privilege and you know white white privilege and and you know power and oppression and things like that and i was just like wow this guy really makes sense i should listen to him he's he's got it figured out Maybe and Brian was telling me this morning. Yeah, Brian was telling me this morning. He's like, I had nothing figured out. I didn't know anything. <laughs> yeah, it was a dumb <laughs> but shit. You, you made it. You made it sound so good and so smart. I was like, oh, all right, I'm gonna get to know this guy. He's gonna teach me things. The art of BS. Have a, what have I taught you, Wes? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I'm like, all right. What I've taught Wes is like, don't, don't be me. <laughs> so then we were like, all right, let's think. In sixth grade, so we didn't meet in sixth grade, obviously. We met as, as, you know, beginning college, underclassmen college students. Would we have even been friends had we known each other in sixth grade? And our situations are very different. Brian was going to school in Manhattan, living in New Jersey, uh, all boys school. I don't, was your, was your middle oh, school in all boys oh, school? Oh, so well? sixth grade, that was only high school when okay, I did okay. that. So sixth, sixth grade is a little bit different. And so, right. yeah, I think this is, this is why this is maybe an interesting topic because, we don't talk about our past. We never do. We only talk about the future, folks. Hey. Um, so who wants to talk yeah. about the past? You know, it's just that's uncomfortable. It's vulnerable. Well, yeah, I mean, like maybe it's a little embarrassing even, but <laughs> what perfect place to unhash our past <laughs> together than on a publicly published podcast. Yeah, my friend Albert said, guys don't go to therapy, we just start podcasts. So here it is, everybody. <laughs> yeah so okay wait so would we be friends in sixth grade is the question okay all right do you want to do you want to do this thing yeah let's do a count of three okay you count us down so all right so we're gonna do three two one and then your answer or let's say your answer on one no because it's a podcast so it'll get muddy if we try to say it on the same time as one and how are you gonna count down to one and say your answer well, you know, I just wanted to make sure that you weren't you I know, got jumping you. the gun. Jump, got it, got it. Okay, okay, okay. But you're right. You're totally right. Okay. So three, two, one, our answer, yes or no, would we be friends in All right. sixth grade? All right, I'm ready. I got All my right. answer. All right. Three, two, 
one. Yes. No. Oh my god. <laughs> Jeez. <Wes. laughs> okay, but I but my we reasoning had here going on. Okay. My reasoning though is I was very uh I don't know what I was in 6. I just did not have it together, man. Like I feel like you would have been cooler not not actually knowing who your 6th grade self was. I feel like you would have just been like way cooler. You would have already had your friends group and you would have just like maybe you would have seen you know seen me in classes, but we wouldn't. I don't think you would have been like, oh yeah, like that's the guy I want to hang out with. <laughs> I mean, I was a big nerd. I loved school. I would like raise my hand to answer questions, but like this is how it went. I mean, I came from a elementary school that had maybe like ninety students total, okay. K through fifth grade. It was small. Oh, it was total. literally in, like yeah, yeah. It was like in a one room schoolhouse and then like two auxiliary buildings. It was <laughs> it was super small. Were you like in little house on a prairie? It was <laughs> it was like that, but like in the middle of like the city, like on like a corner. It was like a big house that had been turned into a school. Sounds like so, your parents got hoodwinked. That was not a school. <laughs> <laughs> that that was somebody's may, basement collecting it children. Down. It may have shut down. The the teachers were legit, except no, they were all legit. They were they were legit teachers actually. So. I'm coming from this like really tiny situation, right? Not not a normal situation. And okay. then I'm dropped into public middle school, 1,200 students in just three grades. So there's a lot of students per grade, right? That's like 400 students. I mean, in a, as a middle school, it's pretty big. Yeah. And That's I have glasses. Too much energy. A lot of energy. I have glasses. I have asthma. I have braces, I think, probably at that point. Or I was going to have braces in the next like six months. Um, I didn't have any friends. I, I knew no people who went to the school. Um, oh, weird. Yeah. So No one matriculated with you, huh? No. Cause, yeah, because, I mean, they would all go to other schools or whatever. and um, They were probably still trapped in the basement. <laughs> Yikes. What if they're still trapped in the basement? Oh, no. <laughs> I could have I saved them. So, you know, I, I liked learning... Uh, I had this incident in sixth grade where, oh, that's not true. Okay. So actually one of my neighbors went to the school. I think he was maybe the same grade as me or maybe a little bit older than me. And we would, we biked home one time okay. and I wasn't a very confident biker. And I tried to get my bike to hop over the curb cause there was no driveway on the curb and there was like a car and I was like, I'm going to be cool. I'm going to like hop the curb and my bike front wheel hit the curb oh and I went God. over the handlebars and I'm wearing a helmet, so I'm like, oh, okay, cool, it's fine. Nope. My face splashes into the ground, and I break my teeth. What? Yeah. Do you have fake teeth, Wes? I have, cr- I have fillings in the front, so these teeth are, like, not fully 100% my teeth. Whoa. So I, that's this is a new me, right? discovery. <laughs> you ain't I, even real, man. You're like a cyborg. <laughs> I used to, yeah, kind of. I used to stay at school and play this, like, fighter jet simulator game on one of my teacher's computers he had like a mac in his room no, old old mac um shout out mr win and sometimes like i would stay so late oh, like, Asian to, like, guy. S- to like <laughs> w-y-n-n okay um, maybe not very white guy for sure and he would i mean i would stay till like five sometimes so he would just like drop me off at home because it was like too late to walk home i was in band learning how to play clarinet i was terrible i mean like this is this is me just being terrible at at life and school um I didn't know like school dances very out of place. I went to one in sixth grade and I was like, what is happening? People are like having sex with their clothes on. What is, well, how do you, who is Whoa. everybody's dancing like this? This is unheard of. I don't understand. So did you partake? Not in sixth grade. 
Maybe so by eighth grade, I was you were more like a wallflower. Yeah, you were, you were creeping. Time. You were just like, ooh, like in no, the corner. No, I, I didn't enjoy the... it though. I was just like, I don't get it. Like I, I was like, how does this work? Who, like, what are the norms here? I had no idea. I don't Whoa. think anybody else did either. Like they probably didn't have dances in elementary school, right? But then, like, who was doing that? Who, I, like, I, all the kids. Where they figure out how to like, we're grinding. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe who knows? Maybe, maybe it's just like in the genes, right? It's just like human DNA. <laughs> like sixth grade, we're gonna grind. We don't know what that is, but we're we doing don't. it. So that was my experience in sixth grade, and that's why I think it's a no. Not because I wouldn't oh. want to hang out with you. It's because you would look at me and be like, "This kid has fake teeth. Like, what am I? No, he's he's ninety pounds. What am I gonna do with this kid? Like, I might break him." Wes, everybody was ninety pounds in sixth grade. I think. This is really going to turn into a therapy session right now because I oh, think and this, I had says, a well, this says a lot more control. about how you feel about yourself yes. than how we might feel about each other. <laughs> Wes, um, let the record show. I said okay. yes. You did say um, yes. And the reason is because, Wes, we, like, everybody in sixth grade had this experience. <laughs> like, like, I went, yeah. I mean, no, other people seem cool. Dances, they had it together. It's it's all seems like it just seems right. Like nobody's got to figure it out, right? Like it's an awful time for everybody. <laughs> like it's it is hell on earth. Like if you could ask anybody on the street, like what age would they want to return to? Nobody's gonna say like I want to be grade. the age when I was in sixth grade and live that life again. Like no. hell no, no one wants to. Hell no. If you peaked at sixth grade, <laughs> something's wrong. So. <laughs> I mean, when it comes to dances, all right, I need to set the scene for you, right? Like, okay, I grew up in Jersey, uh, you know, predominantly white town. What exit? Town. Right? Uh, depends if you're talking about Turnpike or the Parkway. <laughs> 145-ish okay. on Parkway. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, predominantly white area. And I'm Filipino, so I'm going to Catholic school. Nice. So and so when you when you're talking but still about white like, white kids, okay. So the interesting thing about New York tri-state area Catholic schools, uh, especially at the lower grades, is that yes, they can be predominantly white, but there are also a lot of black and brown kids that mm. go to those schools. So, um, so even though the the town I grew up in is kind of white, you know, I'm still around other kids of color, right? Like kids that I wouldn't be exposed to otherwise. So, you know, in that way, I, I do appreciate my Catholic school upbringing. The guilt part, though, <laughs> you could I could leave. <laughs> I could do without that. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Um, so, yeah. How many crackers so, did you eat in elementary school? Are, are we talking about people? <laughs> what, what's happening here? So, so communion crackers. So Wait, the high, so the, the junior high dances, like sixth grade dance or whatever, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of chaperoning going on. There was not, I would say, there was not grinding happening. No, you couldn't at a Catholic no, school. No, definitely dance, not. There's, no there's you know, you gotta leave room for the Holy Ghost for sure. There, there was, there was boy girl slow dancing. Okay, which was super awkward. Usually, <laughs> it were it was the girls who would ask the guys. Oh, that's cool. And okay. then. And it would only happen for about five minutes at the very end of the dance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, that was nerve wracking, man. Yeah. Like, and you're like, is somebody going to ask me as a guy? And then 
maybe someone would and then you're like i where do i put the hands i this this yeah. feels weird i don't even hands like on this hips person. hands on shoulders probably hands on hips probably i think but starting out you know you gotta you gotta crawl before you walk <laughs> so yeah, they would hands, put their hands on shoulders i think it was like both shoulders right it's, <laughs> yeah it's almost as if you and i were dancing together right, right, right. <laughs> and like yeah. and, and we're we're actually like preparing for some cheerleader to climb on top of our <laughs> connected the arms yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 exactly um so there was a lot of that and but yeah so like you wes uh you know i had a butt cut i was oh, on the, the verge of getting key. braces yeah yeah we probably had twin butt cuts you know because <laughs> like that was the thing uh i was also you know like you say like yeah maybe yeah brian would be too cool no man i was a i was a late bloomer uh, a late bloomer. Okay. i was like really quiet and shy i was just like you like i enjoyed school because i found it easy in a in, you know in a catholic school in new jersey like yeah it's probably kind of easy um you know I, yeah i was i was i was very like in in myself right like mm. i was you know which is developed a lot of inner monologue yeah um i had a lot of inner monologue i don't remember saying very much to people um mm. but you are you are right that i did have some gravity i like just like not because I deliberately, you know, put myself out there in the world, but like you know, I was kind of friends with everybody. Everybody, yeah, yeah. But it was a very small school. Like in my grade, there was only thirty to thirty-five kids, right? Oh, and only a third of those were guys. So it was very it's small. very is very small, and also very easy to be friends with everybody. Yeah, like you, yeah. you're just like naturally. That can naturally happen. So yeah, like, you see them quite a bit. You're going to be yeah. in classes. I, mean, I yeah. grew up with a lot of them. So like, gotcha. you know, I was, I was friend with like the, the jock coolish kids. I was friends with like the spaz kids. I was friends with the weirdo kids. You know, I was even friends. I was like probably the only friend for a couple of the social pariahs, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like nice. the one kid that played magic, the gathering by himself. Like I was friends with that kid. And nice. I was also friends with you know the quote unquote like fat ugly kid yeah. that other people didn't like but you know me and him got along cuz we both read comics we're the only people in our school or grade that read really? comic books so yeah so you know i was kind of a floater a little yeah. bit of a floater i was also class president not because i wanted to be but just cuz like people were like hey you're the smart kid in class you should be class pres um so that that was you know that was kind of my thing, but you know I was never. What was, never what was your platform? What did myself. you run on, Brett? Just kidding! Don't tell us. Uh, more pizza <laughs> in the lunchroom. Oh, hey, that's something everybody can get it, get uh, behind. But I, dude, I think pizza. Like the, wait, wait, pizza in middle school. Ahead. Did you guys have that like, basically like garlic bread, like toast kind of pizza? Oh. We did not, but I know exactly what you're talking about. And I <laughs> that love was our those. pizza in middle school. French bread pizza. I yeah, that's what that it was. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. It it uh Stouffer's right Stouffer's French bread. Oh pizza? I, no! I, well, I don't know. I kind of assumed. I'm that sure our there was like made them, a more generic brand in the cafeteria. Probably. Yeah. It was. Um. It was fine. Yeah. Anyways. So I Wes like. So we dude, would be friends. We would be friends. One because like there. Are, <laughs> 
there aren't a lot of kids in my. If, if you were in my school, if gotcha. you were in my We'd school, we would yeah. we would be buddies, right? Like, wait, we I wouldn't mean, like take away the Asian like you know vote or something. It'd be like, oh, you can only be friends with one Asian kid. Well, okay, this is okay, our okay. Asian friend. So I think that there that would be the one wrinkle. Okay, like everything we, else would we makes be tokenized? Sense. Like, we'd be the smart kids. We would be the butt cut kids. We would both be the basketball kids. I don't think there'd be we're, a rivalry then. Right. We're on the same page on those things. However, I th- I'm pretty sure I was like the only Asian boy in my grade. And I really felt some kind of way when everybody tried to pair me with like the only other Asian girl. Like everybody was oh, trying to ship us. Yeah. And I hated that. I hated, hated, hated okay. that. I was not into her at all, and yeah. nor did I want to be associated. Uh, so if people did the same to you and me, gotcha. you know, that might be a thing you would reject. Yeah, I like maybe. Here's where, okay, wait, but maybe if you play basketball, so would you guys play basketball like before school or after school? That kind of thing? Or like at Lun- lunch or Like something? lunch period. Yeah. Okay, no, nah, we'd be friends then. 100%. Yeah, totally. That's how I made all my friends is like I play basketball. Absolutely, bad like <laughs> ball is life, man. Yeah, at that point, and, like, and one was becoming a thing. The East Bay catalog, yo, oh man, yeah. Did you go to basketball <laughs> camp? I also did that, Ooh, and like, I, I would, like, Not, my I mom would school. coordinate with like my other friends, and like, oh, nice. we're gonna go to basketball camp together. Um, I played on a basketball team, but not not camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on the school team. All right, come on, it, man. We we oh, would no, be I couldn't like make the school team. We'd be Splash Brothers. <laughs> Maybe I could make your school team. I don't know. You, oh, definitely. It was like <laughs> default. You just had to be on the team. But had, you know, we we had a lot of people to choose guys. from. I didn't. I didn't make the bat the school basketball team. Yeah. I, well. Yeah. I, I'm curious about like your experience. Like you said, what 1,200 kids? Yeah. Uh, That's a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah. There's only 12 <laughs> spots. I'm guessing. And, Probably something like that. And was your school diverse? Like that's yeah. that's also a big question. For sure. Like what what was like the racial makeup of your school? Uh at that point it's changed a lot since since I went there. I think at that point it was probably a good twenty to thirty percent like Cambodian. Um all my Khmer people out there. Yeah. Uh Long Beach has a huge, huge Khmer population. Um, I think it's the biggest in the country. That might be true. Actually. Maybe yeah. somewhere in Massachusetts also has a big population. Yeah. Something Sizable. Like Long Beach, definitely bigger. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. I And at my private school, I didn't um, have any friends who were Cambodian. So it was cool to meet everybody who was Cambodian and learn like kind of their, um, I don't know, just how like their different takes on things. Uh, we had a lot of Latino kids and we had a handful of black kids. I don't, I don't think it was like a lot, a lot, but there would probably be at least three or four in every class that I had. Um, was it, did it feel socially segregated? It was socially segregated a little bit. It was also different because I was in like one of the first years of like the magnet program. Of course. Um, of course you were gifted and talented. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in one of those kind of, kind of programs. So you tend, because your most of your classes are with those kids, right? So like five of your seven classes or whatever, six of your seven classes are in, in the same cohort. Yeah. Not that you had the same kids in your class, but you just were in that cohort. Um, you you get to know those people way better than you get to know um, everybody else in the school. So, uh, yeah. So that's how it tended to be socially segregated for us. Um, but like on the I basketball see. court, like everybody would play. It didn't matter. Um, yeah. You, you're just balling, right? Yeah. You're yeah. just balling. Yeah. 
I I think we would play on the same pickup teams. Hundred percent. We uh, used to beat kids who were better than us, but like because we played together so often, we oh would just, you like, like you knew we would just my boy's gonna dive a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. You know that dude's a shooter. That guy's yeah. gonna that guy's rebounding like D. yeah yeah. 100%. Oh, totally. Did we you play to, this? We used to abuse teams that were like clearly like they had kids that were better than us. We just abuse them cuz we just passed the ball out of, you know, get a layup. Oh man. I'm I'm on that team. <laughs> like Yeah. You're you're kicking it out to me for threes. Yes, that's yes. that's what's happening. 100%. Um, I'll bring up unless the ball, you were also the three-point shooter. Nope. Well, maybe, but I would just pass the ball all the time. That, you're that you're the job. point guard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what do you know? You're the point guard on a show. Yeah. <laughs> Kick assist, it out to assist, me for a three. Assist. We're good. We're Bury good. That. Bury it. Um, All right. Did you play this game, Taps? No. In, in grade school, where you're like, it's like everybody is standing in a circle. There's a basket. There's one basketball, and you have to pass it to somebody, but you can only pass it in the air. You can only make contact with the ball in the air, basically. Yeah. Like you so, have to jump. Like, you gotta. You gotta jump catch and pass all okay. in one yeah yeah. and the you know you get people out by like doing no look passes <laughs> by like doing like a a fake and then a pass in midair and if anybody dropped a pass or if they were on the ground touching the ball they're out gotcha gotcha uh that That's, that was also like a key pastime. was there us. was there a uh was there arguments over like that pass was too low i couldn't even jump for it Oh no no no! It was no? it was like pure honor system, and it's like, yeah, yeah, I know that was I'm, catchable. I'm, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> but you, like, if you, you threw it you at my feet, that. I'd be like, buddy, like, what am I supposed to do with that? Well, I guess like I I don't remember anybody throwing like awful passes. Like okay, that. all right. So they but, would try and get it up in the air more. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. Right. Give yeah, you a it chance. Was a, it was a thing. Now that I think about it, there's there's so many ways to game that game. Like just throw at people's ankles or just like yeah. launch one really high in the air. Like and not luck. make it clear who it's for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, you're all out. No one grabbed it. I win. Or maybe I'm just doing like a like a football throw into somebody's head. <laughs> like dodgeball it at somebody. Well, but you wanted the style points of like giving the alley oop to your buddy, right? That was oh, like definitely. Part of it, I'm sure. Sty- style's yeah. a big part of this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I so I, I think Wes, if you you're rolling in dunks, you're the point guard. Like, you fit right in. Fit oh, right yeah. in into yeah, my yeah. group of friends. Okay, yeah. I you've convinced me. I, it was the basketball. We would yeah. just bond. Over, <laughs> yeah. We would just bond over basketball. Was basketball. I was. Basketball. I played. I mean, I would wear shorts under my like uniform pants every day t- so I could go play. Like, I was serious about basketball in middle school. Every day yeah. at lunch, before school, after school, I'd be playing. Same, Saturdays, same. I'd drag Forrester to to the middle school, and we'd go play like one on one. Forrester, your best man. Forrester, my best man. Shout yeah. out to Forrester. He um, he had a crazy yeah. leaping ability for a middle schooler. Like he could, I think he could almost touch the rim as a middle schooler. Whoa! Yeah, that that dude is that athletic. Cambodian doctor does not strike me as. <laughs> I think his athletic days are bunnies. a little behind him, but yeah, he 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 was some he was kind of our uh, our secret sauce because he wasn't a shooter, but you give him the ball like four feet away from the basket, and then he could just jump over everybody. He he's that fish sauce. Yeah, yeah. In, he would he held Asian it soup he held, of life. He held it together. Well, All right. Well, we've talked a lot basketball. about basketball. Yeah. Do you want to? Yeah. Do you want to go into basketball? No, no, no. All you, all you, man. Okay. I got to let the point god do his thing. All right. So both me and Brian are very big into basketball. We talk about NBA a lot. We'd never talk about college because it's an inferior product. 
Um, and yeah, who cares about team defense? Like, bleh. it's not even team defense. It's yeah, whatever. It's, don't get me started. It's it's worse basketball. People say they you play with more passion as a college. It's just not true. So, <laughs> um, to compensate for ability. <laughs> <laughs> so. I'm a big Lakers fan. I think everybody is listening probably knows that. Brian is a big Knicks fan. Grew yeah. Up, grew up cheering on John Starks. John Starks. Yeah. His favorite. The legend, the icon. <laughs> a man who has been over my childhood bedroom for 39 years. Yikes. All right. So you get In two... a poster form. Come on. Oh, poster form. Okay, okay, okay. I thought he was just like floating up above your, your bedroom, commanding things, you know? I would be cool with that too. All right, all right. He'd be like, go get me a glizzy, and you'd have to go get it for him. I don't know what that is, but I'm getting it. <laughs> so you get two hot takes about your favorite NBA team, because I don't actually follow the Knicks that closely, and you don't follow the Lakers super closely. So you get two I, takes. We're going to alternate. Not that I don't follow them. All right. I, I do check in because TBH, I'm a, I'm a big fan of LeBron. Oh, okay, okay. And so I I want to see him climb the mountaintop again. Again. Which is why I check in on the Lakers. I see, I see. We're struggling. That's the that's <laughs> yeah. the overall theme of this season, yeah. if you haven't I guessed mean, it's yet. Hard to climb the mountain when you're not even at the base of <laughs> we're not, said mountain. We're not. Yeah, yeah, no. We're we're on still another continent still. We're getting there. Yeah, you, you okay. gotta catch the flight. Well, so that takes me to my first hot take, Brian. So here's where we stand. Lakers just made some big trades. They swapped out Russell Westbrook and his giant contract for uh, three or four players and medium to to small contracts, and they're productive players. Uh, so Lakers are currently 27 and 32, five games under 500. Not where you want to be in terms of you know winning a championship. That's not it's not a good omen. So we're probably not winning the championship this year, but. Here's my hot take. Sad. We're we're gonna go. We got 23 games left. We're gonna go 15 and eight or 16 and seven. Optimistic view. I looked at the schedule. I'm like, I think that's winnable. That's winnable. That's winnable. Six. I counted up to 16 wins. So 16 and seven. That'd be crazy change in winning percentage. 16 and seven. Yeah, that would make in us the uh, latter half of the season. That oh would make God. us like an you know what a 70 percent team right there. A 700 team. Okay. Okay. That would take us, and we could probably finish eight in the West. Eighth in the West. And you're like, how is this going to happen? They haven't put it together this year. We keep saying if the Lakers put a run together, they're going to go on it. But here's here's what's going to happen. Anthony Davis, now that he's back from his injury, he's going to go on a tear to finish the season. He's going to use the All-Star break to rest. He's or an come Achilles back, tear. <laughs> and he's going to just, he's just going to come and like dominate. He's been, and, and why I think this is, he's been showing signs of life on the defensive end these past couple games. Um, his his offense is sort of there. It's it's like good, but not like dominant yet. But I think what's going to happen is he's going to like take all the energy from his defensive uh, domination. And then he's just going to be like, you know what? These MFers can't stop me. And then they're just going to start feeding him in the post. They're going to get him some good pick and roll opportunities, some good alley-oops. Um, so Lakers, you heard it here first. 15 and eight. Bare minimum. I think they could go 16 and 7. And that would be an unbelievable finish. It put us at, at the top end of the play-in, which is sad, but still that would that would be good for where we're at right now. Because we're out of the play-in right now. Well, I mean, like the the gap between out of the play-in and like uh sixth seed or whatever. Yeah. Like out of the playoff picture altogether and I think it's four is, games it's like, or something. I think it's games. less. I think it's three and a half. Okay. Um, so like yes, yeah, if they 
if they manage to knock out 16 wins, like eighth is possible, or even sixth is possible. Yeah. Really. I mean, right? 16 wins is ambitious, but I'm calling it here. We're going to do it. Uh, okay. <laughs> is, I mean, is Anthony Davis really going to come to form in that period of time? Like, is his biggest so. issue the fact that he hasn't strung together enough games to get momentum and rhythm? Well, that's what happened, right? So when LeBron went out in November, Anthony Davis was just a monster and he was, he was wrecking teams and then yeah. he got injured, right? So he's back now and he's looked okay. He's looked he's looked good, but the past couple of games, it's like, oh, your defense is like starting to get there again. He's blocking shots. He's getting his rotations in. Uh, he's got his hands, like he's getting in like the, the deflections and stuff. So He's starting to see the ball. He's starting to feel the game. He's going to get to know his teammates better. And because he doesn't have Russell Westbrook, just like running into the paint and doing nothing, <laughs> he's got shooters or uh, shooters around him. This is gonna it's gonna make his life easier. I'm, I can't I'm believe they out. got rid of Russ Westbrook. Like that, they managed to do it. That they yeah. got rid of that albatross. Yeah, at the trade deadline, uh, I think that does mean big changes happening for the Lakers. So um, does and it seven. mean a AD renaissance? Yes. Mm. It's just about rhythm for him. He has to get into rhythm. Once he's in his rhythm, you just you cannot stop him. Uh, I mean, he definitely has MVP caliber talent. Yeah. Uh, it's but like uh, I just feel like the past few years, something's been missing from his game. Like I don't, I don't, I feel like maybe it's a mental thing more than anything else. Sometimes maybe it he's is. playing I too gingerly. Yeah. Sometimes he kind of like checks out or he kind of floats. People, people describe it as like floating. Um, it's where he kind of stays around like 18 feet. He kind of like walks around the perimeter. He doesn't like dive to the basket. Um, he doesn't like fight for rebounds. Yeah. He sort of just floats. And, and some of that is legit because teams will put four defenders in the paint when he has the ball. And it's like, well, okay. I mean, yeah, he's really good. He's not going to take on four guys in the paint. Like he's going to make the smart play. He's going to pass it out. Yada yada, right? And so people say, "Oh, he plays passive with that." But I mean, he's got four play- four players defending him. Like, you know, it's it's understandable that he he doesn't have like really impactful games when they do that. But teams are going to be able to do that less now with LeBron back with D'Lo on the team and with Malik Beasley on the team and with Jared Vanderbilt just like then he'll like run into spots too because of how much attention, you know, AD's getting. So Good things are the coming. Brow. Hmm. Good things are coming. Hmm, the brow, maybe. All right, what's and your Knicks hot take? Give us one. So, all right. Well, the Knicks also made some moves at the trade deadline. Some or money moves, really, money moves. Really just one move. And okay. it is a money move. Uh, we All we had to give up was Cam Reddish, who, who playing? was out of the rotation entirely, who I, who I actually still like, right? Really? The guy that has a ton of potential right and it just needs to be unlocked what's his shape role? or form he D? showed he he is more than a three and d okay i think he is he's a disruptive wing player right okay. like he can he can make plays he can hit the three he's long and rangy on defense and can you know be a stopper if he puts forth the effort yeah um and his so like athletic Kawhi, ability but- is crazy uh, so he's got a high upside. We yeah. saw flashes of it early in the season when he jumped into the starting into the into the starting lineup. Occasionally, uh, he would close out games. Sometimes hit big shots. You know, every now and again, he would drop like 25, 27 points. Oh, um, and you're like, he's got oh, that in this, his bag. This guy, yeah, this guy could be something. Uh, 
But like, you know, he just wasn't stringing things together. He couldn't do it consistently. Um, and over time, in the in the Tom Thibodeau Thibodeau system, I can't even say his name. In in Tibbs's system, yeah, like this guy is not giving enough maximum effort, particularly on the defensive side, to warrant more playing time. Right? Like, there's there's too many what ifs going on with him, and so he ended up Coaches on, stashed on the bench. They got to be able to count on you on a baseline level of like output or effort or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, like that's, that's the business that they're in, right? Yeah. Like either you're going to get immediate output or not. And, and also a big part of the Knicks being a better team right now, they're sitting in six, right? They're 33 and 27. Oh, they're that high. They, and they have room to climb because number five nets lost, drop. <laughs> lost their, <laughs> all their stars. talent. Yeah. Um, they, they, I think they're actually still a sneakily good team. Um, but you know, they lost their megastars going to have a hard time closing out games. Yeah. So there's room for the Knicks to climb. And a big part of them being in this position is because Tibbs shortened his rotation. He cut it down to nine guys. And that meant that Cam Reddish was just sitting on the bench. We, so we packaged him in a first round draft pick. Um, I believe it's protected to the Portland Trailblazers for game changer missing piece Josh Hart. Like <laughs> like wow, this, this wasn't is even anybody on the else Knicks describing radar. him this way. The missing piece? Everybody in New York game City changer. is. He's the missing Okay, he's the missing piece before we get the missing piece. <laughs> <laughs> like he he's basically the guy that we needed to make the bed that the superstar is going to come in and sleep in eventually. That's next year. All that's right, that's right. next year. But this year, I am a Josh he, Hart fan. He played for the Lakers and was was great. He's fun to root for. He works hard and does a lot of great things on the floor. He is a self described dog, and I love this. After he, I think he said it in a um, post game interview uh, after his first game where he hit like two big threes. He had like four steals, uh, a bunch of rebounds, closed out the game, help us beat the Jazz. Um, and he just said, like, hey, New York, I'm I'm always going to be a dog. And he is he is a straight up dog. He is the the hard hat wearing blue collar guy <laughs> yeah. that every team really wants needs. and desires and yeah. needs, actually. And the kind of guy that New York City fans just like adore. Yeah. Right. Like there's a reason every fan why base does. Right. Every every fan base loves that that guy who's maybe not like the star, but who's always on the ground, always like giving up his body, oh, yeah. making the right play, that kind of guy. I think for the Knicks, like for the history of, you know, of Knicks basketball, particularly in the 90s when they were just the the bruising team. Yeah, they were right? bludgeoning like, people. You're kind of like scared of playing against the Knicks. Like because that is so integral to the identity of Knicks basketball and New York City just generally. For sure. These kind of guys are, you know, like, Everybody just like falls in love with immediately. And in three games since the trade deadline, we have seen it in spades. Like Josh Hart, now with him on the floor, all of a sudden we're winning 50-50 balls. We're getting offensive and defensive rebounds. He's disruptive on defense, right? Like he gets in passing lanes. He creates steals. He creates turnovers. And then on the flip side of that, he's pushing the ball whenever... Whenever the ball is in his hands, which 
somehow he like he's a magnet for loose balls, right? And so whenever he gets into that position, he's pushing the ball with he's a lot of really pace. good as a rebounding like small forward. Yeah, I mean shooting, he's listed yeah, as a guard. guard. Yeah, he's like six four. He I think he's, he's a the really best good rebounder. Rebounding guard under six five or something like that. Um, which is an odd stat. (laughs) Yeah. I bet the Knicks marketing team pulled that one out. (laughs) Yeah. On Tuesdays, he is undefeated. So, um, yeah. So, and, and he's like, this is something, an ability that he did not show in Portland. And maybe it's because he was next to Dame Lillard and Anthony Simons. He's, he's knocking down threes. Like his, his, um, catch and shoot three point, percentage at least uh i don't have it in front of me but yeah. just like visually it's good seems like very high he dropped 27 actually in his second game as a nick uh and you know and and he's doing them at difference making moments of the game which has led tibbs to let josh hart close out games which makes sense because basically we got brunson who's running the show and yep. also Huge, also our best phenomenal scoring player. Threat. What a huge he's, I mean, he's had. In the past, I don't know, like 10, 15 games, I think he's averaging over 30 a game. Both of us were surprised he didn't make the All-Star game. He should absolutely be an All-Star. Yeah. Um, and, and way more so than our actual All-Star, Julius Randle, right? <laughs> Who is essentially <laughs> second banana to Jalen Brunson right now in offense. Okay. But still very integral, right? Like, yeah. Julius Randle is having he is having an all-star season, right? It it's legit. He should be as well. So you got those two guys, but th- both those two guys can be a little uh little spotty defensively. So then you bring in Josh Hart who helps with team defense, helps as a wing defender, right? And and brings in rebounding. We got Quentin Grimes who just lit up the uh, Rising Stars game last night with dropping 27. You know, he is also an excellent wing defender and usually our guy on the number one player on the opposing team. Um, And then you got our rim defender, whoever that may be. Usually it's going to be Mitchell Robinson, who's injured right now, but it's going to come back later in the season. Um, Or we got, you know, we got two really good backups in Jericho Sims and Isaiah Hartenstein. So, you know, with that kind of closing lineup, woo. Nick's Nick's got a bright future, man. I think <laughs> we're good. going sixteen and seven after the All Star break. Oh, okay. All right. Um, um, okay. I want you to look yeah. out for something for me. When this was a few years ago, so maybe he's improved in this. When he was a Laker, his his defensive matchups he did much better when he had to guard somebody in the post, like who was trying to post him up. So like think like James Harden backing a guy down or yeah, something yeah. like that. He, he's like strong, strong dude, right? but less good at trying to stop somebody on the perimeter who was like a dribbling threat. So like think trying to stop Kyrie or, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah. He would get torched by those kinds of dudes, like guys that were quick change the direction kind of guys. But you, you throw somebody like you make him guard a power forward in the post and he would hold up, even though he's giving up size, like height, he's, he's going to be able to hold them out of the paint. So I yeah. want you to look out for that for me to see if he's improved on that because that'd be interesting if he can become a perimeter defender in addition to guarding the inside man. Then Nick can switch all you know all over the place. I so in uh, our very large sample size of three games, <laughs> I you know he because we have Quentin Grimes, he doesn't 
have to match up with the best player on the court. Uh-huh. Um, and so I haven't, you know, I haven't seen his perimeter defense been leaky. Okay. Um, it's, it's been like pretty solid. Uh, and you know, and I think a big, another, just like a key part of it is like his ability to play team defense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is something that was troubling the Knicks for a while. Cause you know, a lot of people keep missing their assignments, uh, and whatnot, but yeah, yeah, well, I Josh mean, Hart. we'll see. We'll see. And he comes off the bench right now, too. So I think that's part of why I'm not seeing the flaws in him just yet. Yeah, it's a little bit easier when you're going up against the second second string on the other team as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll see. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, I believe, I mean, I think what you're saying is right. He's he's fun, like, in terms of, like, rooting for him. And, like, he makes a difference in terms of winning. So uh, I'm glad you're excited about him. He's uh, he's been one I've followed since uh, since he left the Lakers, so I'm uh, I'm excited to see him do well in the bright lights. And he won't. Yeah, shrink we got from the two moment, of your castoffs. Right? Yeah, we, we <laughs> got him and Julius Randle. And thanks. That, yeah, not bad. Okay, well he's that takes me to my us. second hot take because here's another baby Laker. Uh, that's what the that's what that team was called, the baby Lakers. The um, like hey, baby Brand- Lakers are running the league right now. Brandon Ingram, yeah, Josh Hart, that that whole group, Larry Nance Jr. Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson. Uh, Julius Randle was part of that. Lonzo Ball, who's great but injured and may not come back. We'll see. Um, so that whole group. Sad. But it also included, sort of, because D'Angelo was a little bit earlier than them. D'Angelo Russell. Um, D'Lo. Yeah, I never really liked his game before. I was like, ah, it's fine. But like, it just seemed kind of like slow and it was mismatched. And it he just didn't always seem to make the right plays. And it just seemed more about him than it did about like the team. He's gone yeah. on to the Nets where he did his own thing, made an all-star game. He's gone on to where he was else, great where on else the has Nets. he been? Uh, he was on the Warriors for a minute. He was on uh, Minnesota for the past couple of years. But now he is back on the Lakers. And I'm ready to declare three games into this little D-Lo experiment that he's going to ball out the rest of the year in, in, a, in, a, in a way that impacts winning. So here's what we're seeing. Everything that he does looks effortless in a way that like our point guards have not in the past few years right so like dennis Schroeder, not an effortless player he's like really got to set his man up and then he's got to explode to the basket make a quick shot and like sometimes it's blocked because he's a short guy d'lo does yeah. not play that way d'lo like bumps you off gets to the elbow shoots a like quick jumper doesn't even get off the ground just like puts up a nice like rainbow shot swish i mean like that's that's his game it's just very old man controlled not trying to exert too much energy kind of look um and I, I don't know. I mean, he just looks so good so far. Like, he's not going to get the attention of everybody because AD and, and LeBron are out there. Um, so Wait, I have so no does idea. Does he have the ball in his hands? Like, is, yeah, quite is a bit. he playing point guard? Yeah. Yeah, quite a bit. So, and and they'll run, right now they're running pick and roll so with him and AD. not running through LeBron. Not as much. I mean, LeBron's still going to have the ball. So D'Lo, when, when okay. LeBron has the ball, D'Lo will start in the corner and then he'll come off of a screen and LeBron can find him or he can you know drive or he can take a pick and roll with AD or whatever. So okay. right now, though, when D'Lo has the ball, they'll run pick and roll usually with him and AD or him and LeBron and, and kind of see what happens. And he'll he'll find guys or he'll run it with Jared Vanderbilt. One of the he's he's our Josh Hart. He's he's just bringing a ton of energy and skill and like, oh, he could do that. You Spark know, plug. Yeah. 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 Um, but this is this is about D'Lo. 
So Zach, I was listening to Zach Lowe's podcast and he was selling D-Lo stock. He was like, you know, you got to wonder why Minnesota would be willing to get off D-Lo. Like that's, you know, kind of worrisome. And this is like his third team in four years and blah, blah. I have no well, idea. Because Minnesota like, is not going anywhere. I think that's yeah. why. Yeah, but I don't know why Zach Lowe is skeptical of D'Angelo Russell, given what we've seen so far. Like his fit is really good with this Lakers team. And it, maybe it yeah. wasn't good with the baby Lakers team. And maybe that's part of what's going on in here. But I mean, he's also been like six years in the league now. So he's 17.9 points per game right now and 6.2 assists per game. I think that's a lot of points already. I mean, 18 points a game. That's yeah. legit. Yeah, yeah. That. that's a great contribution. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'd imagine I wanted to bump it up more. I was like, nah, I mean, he's just not going to get that many shots. But I think he could probably average 20 the rest of the way. 20, 20 oh, points per game. Oh, I don't know, man. I know. I, I was like, ooh, that's With a reach. With LeBron but I think, and AD on the floor? I know. But this is hot take corner. They're gonna, and I think, they're I think gonna he suck up his 20. volume. I, I, yeah, I was worried about that. I, I think, think they're he's gonna actually going to go down. You think he's going to go down? Maybe. Yeah. So yeah. it'd be interesting, right? I, I imagine it's his scoring is going to go up and his assists might go down because LeBron's going to be commanding the offense a lot of the time. But he's right, going right. to be an off-ball shooter who gets just wide-open threes, or he can secondary ball create and then just get his little pull-up in, in the mid-range. So he's just going to have just a ton of easy looks. And so I was like, well, maybe he can get 20. I, I think he could get 20 the rest of the way, but I think his assist might go down. But you're thinking about the other way. Maybe because he's going to be passing to someone like AD and LeBron, Yes, his assist might go up in comparison. So that might happen too. We'll see. Um, but either way, his fit is so good, and partly it's also like comparison to the last guy, right? Like the grass is greener on the other side right now. But man, <laughs> the last guy—he yeah. doesn't even have a name now. <laughs> you We're ain't just... welcome in LA. <laughs> though he's gonna go to the Clippers. No, 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 no disrespect to Russ, but like I haven't liked him on the Lakers in terms of his fit. It just—it hasn't worked, and it wasn't gonna work anymore. And he wasn't willing to do the things that would make it work, and he didn't have the skill set for it. Like frankly, right? Like it's not necessarily his fault. Um, D'Angelo is a complete 180 degrees. He's not putting pressure on the rim, but he is able to shoot from distance. He's able to do a catch and shoot. He's doing a little bit on pull-up creation. He's able to run, pick and roll like really effectively. Um, and he just provides like something that's very different from what anybody else on the Lakers is providing besides LeBron. And I mean, it's just going to be, it's just going to be huge for this team for him to unlock everybody else. Is there another role also for D'Lo? in the wake of Russ's absence in the second unit as well, where like, you know, with the starters, D'Lo's like the third option, right? Yeah. Does he also run with the bench where he becomes the primary playmaker and first option? It's possible. I think you might run Dennis Schroeder in that role. So are they, how big is the rotation for the Lakers right now? It's probably 10. Okay. Okay. So they're they're sending out like a whole new squad. Almost. To the bench. But yeah. I mean, obviously every group like overlaps. So yeah, the yeah. lately yeah. lately the the last game we saw where they dominated the Pelicans, LeBron would come out early. So he would play like four minutes and then they would sub somebody in. I forget who they subbed in. Um so they would sub in like Troy Brown Jr. for him or something like that. And then he would come back towards the end of the first. So so like they're trying to stagger him in A D a little bit. Um but yeah, there's going to be moments. There's going to be moments where neither of them are on the court. I think for right now because they're trying to rest them a little bit. Um, and so yeah, in those moments, they probably need D'Angelo out there. Yeah, that, that's probably right. They probably need D'Angelo out there or Dennis Schroeder running the show. Um, 
Right. But then they're going to need some big time like shooters and energy guys and stuff at that point. And can you just remind for our listeners and particularly for Savon Jones, uh, what did the Lakers do to the Pelicans? <laughs> so they put the hurt on them, Brian. I mean, it was embarrassing. There, it was like a 20 point lead in like the first quarter. It was, it was a blowout start to finish. Those wire poor to Pelicans, wire win. Those poor Pelicans had no chance. And, and to be fair, they're, they're going to come at me and say that they had no Zion. And that, that is fair. They had no Zion. But get used N- to it, Pelicans. This is the NBA. There's zero, zero sympathy for not having your players. Um, no, the, I like the Pelicans for sure. But yeah, they, they could not. The Lakers just absolutely dominated them. Um, and maybe it was like last game before the all-star break, like malaise, you know, that happens like, oh yeah, they're just, Knicks they're, put they're a beat down on the home. Hawks in yeah. the same situation. <laughs> so I get it. And it, I don't think well, we're going to get in West. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to take too much away in terms of long-term, but holy cow, the potential they showed is like, oh, if you can do this on offense and defense, like the Lakers are going to be a problem. Oh yeah. That's what I'm saying. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Okay. All right. What's All right. Your, so what's we'll, your last we'll keep hot our take? eyes out on D'Lo. Yeah. Um. My hot. My second and last hot take for the New York Knicks, which this this one is actually maybe not the most positive one. Uh oh. But my You're hot supposed take, to be a homer. It, You're supposed to be a homer. It's all Knicks. All hey time. man, New York's New Yorkers. We keep it real. <laughs> R.J. Barrett's coming off the bench. Second half of the season. You think so? And he's been starting. And I. He, you know, he's an absolute starter. He signed okay. a big contract over the yeah, summer. Yeah, you said he's the max money guy. Like I right asked before... you, like five months ago, I was like, <laughs> I was like, who's the man? At, and you were like, it's got to be RJ. We're not trading him. We're maxing him out. He's the guy. And now you're saying he's got to come off the bench. So what changed? Well, yeah. So over the summer, like as people know, Can't be Josh they, were, they were trying to they were trying to deal RJ in the in a way to trade for Spider Mitchell to get Donovan Mitchell. To back to New York where he's from. Right? God, he's been lighting it up. Yeah. Oh incre- he's having his best year. <laughs> he's so good. Which which hurts. However, however, well, one, the Knicks have been able to beat the Cavs twice, I believe. Hey. Um, secondly, uh, you know, RJ coming out of his third year last year, he actually became the focal point of the offense in the second half of the season. Even though it was a lost season for the Knicks, we didn't make the playoffs. We didn't make the play in. Um, same, same. RJ, RJ was like really picking up his game, especially as the focal point. You know, he was he was hitting game winners. He was, you know, he was the the go to option at the end of the game, and and he was leading. I believe he was leading the team in points overall, right? And so you're just like, oh man, I, you know, third year in a row. This guy is taking another step forward. His trajectory is just—he'll become uh, the clear a number nice, one. perfect incline. Yeah, yeah. he's Jason Tatum and he's, style. He's only twenty-two, okay. right? Or twenty-one, twenty-two. Like really young guy. So over the summer, when they gave him the deal, while the trade was still up in the air with the Utah Jazz, you know, he, you know, they gave him this max deal or whatever, or maybe just like sub max. And I was like, yes, absolutely. This guy's got to get paid. We need to make him long-term for the Knicks and continue to to groom him, continue to be uh, with him in his development because this guy's going to be an all-star. Absolutely going to be an all-star. Um, and unfortunately, this season, you know, with the insertion of Jalen Brunson, um, who is not only a point guard, but as I said earlier, 
he's the number one scorer on the Knicks. This is Jalen Brunson's team right now. Yeah. So that, and then, you know, Jalen Brunson has made Julius Randle's game easier. So now Julius Randle is able to have another all-star season. And then because there's so much overlap in the offensive abilities of those two guys with RJ Barrett, like essentially all of them, <laughs> all of them are attacking the basket. Yeah. And are they are all lefties try, too? They're all lefties. Oh my God. They're all lefties, all attacking the basket and are going to try to beat you um, either at the basket or in the mid range. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, but, uh, you know, Brunson does have a little bit more to his game than just that. But that means that for someone like R.J. Barrett, who is less experienced than those other two guys, who doesn't have the ball in his hands, is not the primary playmaker in the starting offense, you know, he's I think he's really struggling with his role. And his shooting numbers are all over the place, right? Like, I think right now they're they're actually, like, pretty bad. Like, even him finishing at the rim, which has been an issue in seasons past, continues to be right like he does he is not an efficient scorer at all <laughs> like <laughs> like taking taking a whole bunch of shots not hitting a lot but still averaging 20 points a game right so averaging 20 points a game um still you know gets a good deal of rebounds and when he does when he does get aggressive and you know doesn't settle for outside shots which he's not hitting at a good rate and you know attacks the basket the dude is a game changer yeah but Sounds so like AD. he's he's having issues on the offensive side and on defense. I think he's taken a step back. Like Uh-oh. he is missing assignments. Uh, he's getting beat, even though he's no longer responsible for guarding the other team's best player. Right. That right. responsibility Grimes, has shifted to Quentin Grimes, our second year player. So, you know, I I have a feeling all of this is getting to the 22 year old the number three draft pick, yeah. you know, coming after Zion, John Morant, then it's RJ. And so he has a lot of weight on his shoulders. Um, he has had differing roles every single season. Um, and in this season in which he was supposed to make a leap, um, but now met with a new offense, new Jalen Brunson, new defensive responsibility because of Quentin Grimes, someone like RJ might be a little bit lost. And that is now really exacerbated with the introduction of Josh Hart, who basically is kind of like a similar size, a slightly smaller than RJ, but who, as I mentioned, is an instant spark plug to the team. Just yeah. like brings a lot of energy, does the does the dirty stuff, like you know, winning 50-50 balls. Um and and it's just like such. He's a also boon. low usage, right? He doesn't need to create. Yeah, he doesn't off need the ball. ball. He, yeah, he's going to yeah, be the guy that the gets ball. set up. And and he's going to be the glue in the team defense yeah, yeah. in a way that R.J. Barrett can't hasn't and been. hasn't been. Right. So uh, with you know, and that has resulted in Josh Hart closing out games, and there have been many a time that R.J. hasn't. Yeah. Um, because you know he's like. He's in the negative call-in uh, column, uh, uh, yeah, you know, on the per scale or whatever. So yeah, sometimes he's sitting. He's sitting at the end of games, and you know that. I think there's going to be a point in time when Josh Hart does crack the starting lineup in favor of RJ. But here's 
here's the thing. Well, it's interesting, so, right? He's not necessarily the better player. Maybe no. he's older, but it's a question because of, of fit. the fit thing, right? Yeah. It's all about the question of fit, right? Yeah. Like the Knicks don't need another high usage <laughs> drive to the basket lefty. Like yeah. they don't need that in their starting line offense. And their starting offense actually is hasn't been all that great, you know. Okay. Um when you look at, you know, all the different metrics around um point differential and whatever. Yeah. So like in terms of fit, may he he doesn't necessarily add anything to the Knicks starting line. Um in the you know, because Josh Hart can do all those things and in a way that's a little bit better. And so I Do you think... get paid per time you mention Josh Hart? Is this what's happening here? Are we being are we being rickrolled here? Um well, you know, <laughs> I just feel like someone like a Josh Hart could really benefit from Josh Hart mentions uh whenever talking about the New York Knicks and Josh Hart. That I mean that's just the heart People of things. People talk about like People talk about like the Lakers exceptional. This is like huge, huge Knicks energy right here. Just, hey, he's in New York now. Now we can talk about it. We have to talk about this man. You know, in two weeks, I'm going to hate this guy. <laughs> in two weeks, I'm going to be like, send this guy out of the city. <laughs> send him to the West Coast again. We don't need him. He's a bum. <laughs> nah, but, you're going to love him all the way through. So, so with RJ, though, you know, he might actually thrive in the bench unit all right where he can actually be ball dominant uh can lead the young guys right because on you know with the second unit you get you get quickly you get obi Toppin, you get jericho sims um you know at least when mitchell robinson comes back so like he can run with the young guys and actually that is kind of what happened at the end of last season when he flourished yeah playing with the young guys allows rj to do his thing, to have a more up-tempo offense, which I think plays to his strength because he wants to go downhill to the basket. Yep. Um, and then, you know, and he, uh, you know, he has less pressure, right? And he's also playing against the other team's second unit. Um, and I think that actually helps him develop as a player. You know, he can take on that responsibility, grow as a leader of the bench, um, and actually still really impact winning. And for, you know, a Tibbs team, isn't that what it's all about, right? It's like, you know, <laughs> doing it for the team. Yeah. And, and so, like, yeah, you know, he'll take a hit in the confidence, but he's still got his money. That guy is still signed to, like, a crazy deal. He's still going to get his money. Um, but now he can kind of ease up on some of that pressure yeah. and really impact the game uh in probably a more beneficial way than he is right now yeah and i love what you're talking about like the basketball fit we always have to remember that this is also like emotions too and feelings right and and nba players do not like not starting oh like even if even if you try and sell it the way you're like hey this is going to be better for you this is going to improve your game like nba players are nothing is is as like insulting to them as like going from a starter to not being a starter um assuming they're of the caliber of like you're making 20 million or more a year they're like nah like that's not it you know and they really you've been a stud your whole life yeah you're not coming off the bench right you know it's different if you're josh hart you've always been like the third best player on your team you know since college or whatever or you know you're a role player but yeah to be to go from i just got max money to yeah 
it's a I'm demotion. What yeah. feels like a demotion. Feels like a demotion, even yeah. though, like you said, right, it actually may be better for him, allow him to thrive. So it'd be interesting to see if Tibbs can get him on board with that or if he literally just is like, like, deal with it, you know, and, and sometimes coaches have to do that. And that's that's OK, too. Hey, if former MVP Hall of Fame Russ Westbrook <laughs> can come off the bench, I think RJ Barrett can like fucking do it. Yeah, for sure, right? Like and and Russell did Russell Westbrook did better when he came off the bench because his like you said, his skills Absolutely. aren't duplicative with LeBron and A D where you're having this issue of too many guys trying to be at the basket and not enough guys spacing. It's, yeah, there's, it a, just there's only one ball. There's only one ball. Only one ball. Um, Hopefully there's two. So, um, you, <laughs> all right. We were going to talk about one of our favorite near and dear topics because Savan's not here eighties and nineties cartoons, but I think, oh, yeah. I think we should save that conversation. You're probably going to pass out from lack of, you know, New York bagel or, or whatever at this point. And the people are tired of hearing us. They, they need a break. They want to come back. Are they, refreshed. are they tired of this Wes Brian bro down? <laughs> Are they? No, they would never be tired of that. Hell no. Thank <laughs> God. We don't even need Savant. This, this episode... Yeah, just ha- go do Mardi Gras forever, Savant. <laughs> Could you imagine? Wow, that sounds like torture, that sounds tiring. actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm too old for that. All right. Yeah, let's, let's close up there. We'll talk about 80s and 90s cartoons. Savant did grow up in a household with, uh, with, with a lot of cartoon watching is what I gather when, I, when he and I talk about cartoons. So he may, he may have some, some input on that, too. So I, we'll, I think we'll we can it. throw out some ones that would blow his mind. Um, <laughs> but I, save you know, it. Save I it. Don't, say, don't blow our, our Yeah. Yeah. Any listeners out there, if you have you know, favorite 80s, 90s cartoons, particularly the obscure ones, let us know on Instagram. Hey. And, uh, you know, We'll include uh, it. Tune in at some other point. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna talk about this. Yeah, we may we may have to talk about like Hanna Barbera. I mean, that's that's where we might go with this. Yogi oh, Bear, Flintstones, that group. It's gonna be good. That that's really old. But <laughs> yeah, okay. That is we talk that... about wacky races. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not eighties and nineties cartoons, but it was on on the eighties and nineties, so we can talk about it. All right, leave yeah. us a comment. What cartoons were you into as a kid, 80s and 90s? Like, I don't want to hear about SpongeBob or later. Like, that's, no, that's too, it's too new. It's too fresh. We want the old stuff, the stuff that's been marinating, you know, festering, so to speak. Yeah, more like festering. (laughs) (laughs) More like aging really poorly. (laughs) Fermenting. It's so good. All right. So leave us a comment on uh, at confidently underscore pod on Instagram. Friends, we'll see you next time. We're going to talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I can't wait. Lovely. Let's be friends in the sixth grade, all. Is it done?